Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we are here waiting expectantly for you to come. God, we don't know when it is. Lord, we know because you fulfill your promises that you will come again. Thank you for coming at the time when you came as a, a child in Jesus, Lord. And uh, help us to focus on your word today, to apply it to our lives, to be your kingdom workers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, last week we were uh, awaiting the arrival of Jesus by focusing on Mary and how God uh, favored Mary. She had found uh, favor with God and uh, discussed about how Mary would give birth to the King Jesus and the details about that. And the angel said that you will bear a son, the son of God. But that's not, the all, it's not all that the angel told Mary. He also said, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. She replied, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave birth to no, Elizabeth Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Let me point out a few key verses in this text. Elizabeth said that Mary was blessed because she believed that God would do what he said. Folks, there are a million things that we can be skeptical about all day long. All kinds of things that we hear from other people, from other sources, that we could and should be skeptical about. But listen, you shouldn't be skeptical, skeptical about the Word of God. Maybe you are sometimes, and I don't think that's sin. We should think about the Word of God, and we should wonder about it. We should question what God is meaning, and then we should research it. Don't stay skeptical about the Word of God. Read it, research it, and learn about the promises that God has made, promises that have come true, and apply His Word to your life and find that it works. Believe what God says and be blessed. Another key verse here is that Elizabeth honors her younger cousin Mary. 
blessed above all women, she says, because of the child that you have. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in a really neat way. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey God's commands. And they weren't able to have any children, but it appears that they had been praying for just that, to have a child for maybe a long time. Now here's some background on Zechariah and Elizabeth's baby. His name is John. Now why is his name John? Because the angel of the Lord said so. He came to Zechariah and said, you and your wife are going to have a baby. And Zechariah laughed because they were old. Then Zechariah couldn't laugh no more because God made him silent. And perhaps uh, he wasn't able to hear either. Not sure about that. The text doesn't go into that much detail. But uh, when the time came for John to be named, eight days after his birth, all the neighbors and the relatives were gathered around there, and Elizabeth has baby John, and Zechariah was there, and all the relatives and neighbors, they said, uh, his name needs to be Zechariah, name him Zechariah. And Elizabeth says, no, his name will be John. And everybody standing around was probably like, oh, and looks at Zechariah. Because the culture is that you name your son after someone in the family. And they thought probably, probably thought that uh, uh, Elizabeth was taking advantage of Zechariah's position. Well, he, he can't talk. He can't, maybe he can't even hear. We'll just name him something else. Not after his father. But then they looked at Zechariah. What do you say, Zechariah? Zechariah doesn't say anything because he can't. He grabs a tablet and writes his name is John. Then, just as the angel promised, John could speak at that point. Uh, Zechariah could speak at that point. He said, said with his words, his name will be John. Zechariah is a man of faith. And He is filled with the Holy Spirit. He and his wife know what's about to happen because of the prophecy written about their little son. Now here's some other things that Luke chapter 1 tells us about John before he was born. Uh, One of the things it tells us is that uh, his parents would have great joy and gladness. It tells us that uh, many people will rejoice at John's birth. It said that John will be great in the eyes of the Lord. It tells us that he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, that he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare the the way for people. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. This is my favorite verse about life 
before birth. I love it so much that here is a child who hasn't been born. God puts his Holy Spirit in this being. And he's inside his mother's womb. John, the baby Baptist. I mean, uh, John, the Baptist baby. Baby John. Just call him Baby John. Uh, six months after conception, he is alive and doing well. Very well, I might add, because even three months before John is born, he seems to recognize Jesus. Mary goes to Elizabeth, the scripture says, and remember, uh, Mary has baby Jesus inside of her. A few days later, Mary went to uh, Elizabeth, and, and this is just a, a few days after the angel, or after the Holy Spirit had put Jesus inside of Mary, and Jesus was just a wee, wee little bitty thing, just, just small, and Mary comes near Elizabeth, and baby John, six, six months, is about the size of grapefruit, from the research that I've done, he leaps for joy inside of Elizabeth. And it's so cool that these two fellas, John and Jesus, wee little Jesus and yay big John, have this uh, Holy Spirit connection before they are even born. I love it. Elizabeth uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit and John her baby was also filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I wonder, does this mean that, that uh, Elizabeth has a double dose of the Holy Spirit? Uh, we, we know she doesn't have two Holy Spirits because there's only one Holy Spirit. But just the fact that uh, she understood what was going on and, and she was uh, with the Holy Spirit is just really neat to me. You know, new life is so amazing. It must be really amazing for a mother to fill a baby moving inside of them. You know, I remember staring at my wife's belly when she was pregnant, just waiting to see a little movement from inside. The kids and I, uh, we would often go out to our cattle when, when they were uh, you know, going to have a calf pretty soon, and we would watch the belly of the mama cow and just wait. And when we would see a little hoof kick against the outside, see a little bull, just, we got so excited there. I seen it. I seen it inside. It moved. I love it. New life. The new life inside of Mary and Elizabeth was especially amazing. One would change the world forever would bring salvation to everyone who calls on his name, and the other would prepare the way for him. Jesus would provide salvation, and John would prepare the way. Now, John grew up and became strong in the Spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. He was strong in the spirit, it says. John was a strong man. He was a rough and tough guy. He wasn't afraid of anything. This is what made him so good at preparing the way 
God knew the task he had for John. God created John and raised him up just to be the kind of person that he needed him to be. You know, if John were a carpenter, he would be the framing guy. He would do the rough end stage of work. You know, after the foundation, he's the guy, the first guy on the job. Now, the finished guy in carpentry work, uh, they have a hard time watching the framer work. Because the framer is working hard and fast and just throwing things together. And it doesn't always look pretty. It's rough around the edges because the framer knows that he needs to get as much done and it needs to be strong. But it doesn't have to look good because the finished guy is going to come and put on sheetrock and finish everything out to look nice. It's hard for the finishing guy to watch the framer because he's rough and tough. You know, uh, John didn't care about being pretty. Scripture says he wore camel's hair, which may have been more acceptable back then. I I don't know. Uh, But it was different than the other folks because Scripture uh, specifically points that out, that he wore camel hair. He didn't care what other people thought. And he was definitely rough around the edges. There was the time when the crowds came to him and he called them, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Now, when I read that scripture, I think to myself, Well, John, you did. You you warned them to uh, flee the coming wrath by uh, repenting of your sin. So why is John asking that? Why is John calling them that? Uh, John is this kind of guy who's rough around the edges, who is strong, who is uh, not afraid of anything, and he's trying to shock them out of what they were doing, get them to make a change in their life. This is the kind of fellow John is. He didn't waste any time. When God told him to get started, he set right to work. Verse 2 of Luke chapter 3 says, At this time a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. By the way, when it says, At this time a message came, a few verses before this, uh, verse uh, 1 and uh, 2, first half of 2, talk about the time period. So Luke, uh, Luke records the rulers of this kingdom at this point in time. It's kind of like Luke putting a time stamp on it. But uh, this is the time when Herod Antipas will be a ruler of Galilee and, uh, and the, uh, the, the others who were the, the rulers of the kingdom and the high priests. And I, I imagine if John were reading this first part of Luke, I think he would laugh. King Herod is the ruler And John would probably say, the message that I bring says that they don't have what it takes to rule. The only king worth listening to is King Jesus, and I am not worthy to untie his sandals. That's the message that John brings. You can uh, say that you are a king or that this guy ruled as much as you want, but God is in ultimate control. John 
publicly criticized Herod for marrying his brother's wife because it was against God's law. And John wasn't scared. He stood right up to Herod. So when John received a message from God, he obeyed it. And then he set right to work. Uh, John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now, I want to point out that the scripture says he went to both sides of the Jordan River. In contrast to Jonah. Now, what do I mean by that? So, John went here and there and over there, and he made sure that he went up and down both sides of the river to get as many people as he could. All the people, all the ground he could, he preached the, the word of baptism and repentance in the name of Jesus to come. Jonah, when God told him to do something, he's like those Ninevites. I don't like those guys. I don't think they deserve it. I don't think they would do well with it. I don't want to preach the word to them. And he went the other way, Jonah did. Uh, sometimes I think we can be like that. We cast judgment on other people thinking they won't listen. But this is not the story of John. Both sides of the river. Wherever he went, he was preaching repentance and baptism. Whether you were Jew or Gentile, no matter who you were, he did not pull any punches. He let you know what was going to happen and the choices that you should make. He preached baptism and repentance for everyone. Now, we're talking about baptism. Why should we be baptized? To show that we have repented. That's what the scripture tells us. To show that we have repented. Right after John called the crowd a brood of snakes, he challenged them this. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove it. Prove it. Now, let me read you uh, two scriptures from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 1, verse 27. Zion will be restored by justice. Those who repent will be revived by righteousness. But rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed, and those who desert the Lord will be consumed. That's what John's telling everyone. Repent and you will be revived. You will be saved. Chapter 59 of the same book, verse 20. says, The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. Says the Lord. Turn from their sins. This is His message. Repent and turn from your sins. So, what does a house look like if you only hire a rough-in framer? If a frame is the only thing that stands, well, at first it's kind of exciting. You see up a new, see a new structure going up. You wonder, what is that going to be? Who is building that? Who will live there? But if the finishing carpenter 
isn't invited in to do the rest of the work, well, the house is useless. We've all seen buildings with wall frames and trusses on the roof, but no shingles, no siding, and no stuff inside. They stay there because maybe the people ran out of money. And so a skeleton of a house uh, stays out in the weather, and before long it's destroyed. And it starts to warp in the sun. It starts to lean. The boards start to rot. It cannot stand. We have a lot of rough in framing to do in our lives. A lot of turning from our sin. A lot of repenting to do. A lot of forgiveness to ask. But if we don't ever invite Jesus to do, to do the finished work, we won't last long. 70, 80, maybe 100 years. But that's not long compared to eternity. John's message to prepare the way is that we need to repent of our sins so that we can be revived by Jesus. If we invite Jesus in, He will redeem our whole structure. He will make it useful. He will make you last forever. And none of us are capable of that kind of construction. Jesus will turn you into a beautiful temple, complete with everything you need to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now what does John have to say about the finisher? What does he have to say about his Savior? Some people actually thought that John was the finisher. They thought that he was the Messiah. And John set them straight, though, in uh, chapter, 5, chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, verse 15, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. <clears throat> John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, and then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Folks, we must understand this. Jesus does the finishing work. But if you don't invite him in to do that work, it isn't pretty. Just when we thought John was rough, and that we would rather be in the hands of a delicate finisher instead of a rough-in framer, John says the Messiah is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, and he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. If you don't invite Jesus in to do the finishing work in your life, the result is burning fire in hell. And we don't like to think about that. Especially during Christmas time. When we're talking about the baby Jesus, baby John. But that's why both of them were born 
to bring us the message of good news. The good news that we can be safe from all evil. The good news that evil will be destroyed and that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are on His team, the winning team. John comes to us and tells us to repent. To call on Jesus because He's the only name by which we are saved. And then be baptized to show that Jesus set you free from the hold that sin and this world has on you. Let's do a quick review. John had a very specific purpose to prepare the way for folks to come to Jesus. The old way is a bunch of rules and animal sacrifices. It's out. The new way is to accept Jesus as your Savior. And no matter what kind of condition you are in, He will make you into a perfect temple for His service. Now John had a rough side. He reminds us that we must be rough on sin, ruthlessly pulling it out of our lives, leaving it behind, turning from it by trusting in Jesus. John reminds it, us that we should proclaim the message to everyone, not just the people on one side of the river, but to everyone that we come into contact with, and to everyone that the Lord tells us to. He reminds us to seal our faith by baptism, to show everyone around you that you have put your faith in Jesus by being baptized. Now, uh, next Sunday, we might have some baptisms here. Just uh, something to look forward to. John tells us that hell is real, but we can be saved from it. And that's the good news. Boy, am I glad that Elizabeth and Zachariah and their son John were faithful to God's calling. Boy, am I glad that Joseph and Mary were faithful to God's calling. Boy, am I glad that Jesus is Lord. We pray with me now. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your son. Jesus, and I thank you for John the Baptist preparing the way. God, that he came here to remind us that Jesus' salvation is for everyone who calls on his name. Lord, I pray if there's someone in our lives that hasn't called on your name, that you would uh, equip us to tell them about Jesus and that your Holy Spirit would work through us, express the importance to them, eternal importance of salvation that only comes through Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this congregation here, and I pray now that we would be guided by you to do your kingdom work. In your name we pray. Amen.